We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Andrew Gilmore, does the success of Kalen DeBoer, two years at Washington, Sarkeesian, three years at Texas, and Dan Lanning, two years at Oregon, put pressure on Marcus Freeman? Does he need to make a playoff and probably win a game? Well, I mean, no. I think the only guy in there that has any anything to do with Freeman is Dan Lanning because he's the only guy that's never been a coach before. He's the only guy that you can even compare the resume to which is very comparable. And I would argue that Dan Lanning walked into a better situation than Marcus Freeman in some areas, but he's done a better job than Marcus Freeman has based on the, the track record. But I mean, Sark's first two years at, at Texas, they went like what, five and seven and eight and five. People were talking so, about if Sark would have had a down year at Texas, maybe he would have been moved. The yeah. From after this year yeah. So, yeah. Um, which yeah. I think is nuts. But Kalen DeBoer has been a head coach at multiple places before. He's much older. You know, yeah, he was only at Washington for two years, but he was at Fresno State for two years as a head coach. He was at Sioux Falls for what six, five, six years. So I think every situation is different. This was this is Sark's third head coaching job. He's been at Washington and USC. So it's a lot different situation for him than what Marcus Freeman is dealing with at Notre Dame. I think Dan Lanning is the one that could maybe apply some pressure, but Dan Lanning's been what one or two games better than Marcus Freeman record wise. I think the perception is better uh, and, and the results have been better. And, and, but you know, Dan Lanning, what's his record against Kalen DeBoer? It's 0 and three, you know? Yeah. So it's like, you know, they're, they're, they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat. And um, uh, you know, but look, I don't think any of that is going to put any more pressure on Marcus Freeman in year three than just being the head coach at Notre Dame in year three, Ryan. Like, I don't, I don't sure. think, I don't think he was like, well, Dan Lanning did this. No, it's going to be like, dude, you're the head coach of Notre Dame. You're expected to win. Uh, so, and then the other question I would have is when you say, doesn't he need to make a playoff and probably win a game for what? Like, I don't know what you mean. Like to, to not feel pressure to get fired. Like I, I would want to understand kind of what you mean by that uh, in regard to, uh, to saying like, Hey, you, you need to, you know, you need to win a game. I'd say if if Marcus Freeman makes the playoff this year and they lose, they go eleven and one, make the playoff, lose in the first round. 
I think that would create some, okay, is, is he really a guy that can, can win big games? I think it'd be a fair thing to say, but I don't think there's uh, barring them just going eight and four, seven and five, you know, an ugly nine and three. I don't think there's going to be anything that makes people say like, ah, this isn't the guy, you know, um, anything that gets into the playoff, I think says, okay, he's a good coach. We just don't know how good in my opinion, but I mean, none of those guys have, won a championship and that's ultimately what you're what you're gauged by at notre dame so right um i, I think just I, being I, at notre I, dame is enough pressure on itself right well i i think that you need to show that you are continuing to grow as a team right like i think mm-hmm. that you need to show that you're able to maybe take the next step i mean a playoff berth should be a uh, should be expected at this point right like a 12 team playoff notre dame should be in the, in the playoff next year I, I, if they yeah. aren't that's a very underwhelming season, yeah. as we, we will talk about, I'm sure, if that happens. Yeah. But if sure. you make the playoff, you maybe win a game, you go in 11 and 1, then you start feeling a lot better about the future of the mm-hmm. program for sure. Because that's showing again, it's about sustainability and continued growth. Like if you just hit stall points, it's like if Notre Dame goes, let's say they go nine and three next year and they miss the playoff, you're just like, where's the growth, man? Like, are we, are we moving yeah. forward here? Like, I think it's just there's. There's hesitancy as a Notre Dame fan by fully in if you don't see that type of growth. Yeah, agree. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. I got another one from Andrew. This is going to be Brian, an interesting conversation. Yeah. 
Andrew says, Brian, if a coach leaves, then players should be able to leave, right? A, name me one time a player was never allowed to transfer. Name me one time. The answer is it's never happened. Players were always allowed to transfer. Always. There was never a you can't transfer rule. There were you can't transfer here rules, which I think are stupid. I never liked the you can't transfer within the Big Ten or within the SEC. That was always dumb. But players have always been allowed to transfer, number one. So if a player leaves and a coach can leave, okay, sure, players can leave. No one here, I'm not advocating for, Ryan's not advocating for, no one's advocating for players not being able to leave. They can leave. I transferred in college. Transferring is good. You need to be able to, that's the only leverage players have in this coach-player-school relationship for most of our lives is, you know what, I'm leaving. You don't want to do this, then I'm leaving. And sometimes it's for stupid reasons and childish reasons, and sometimes it's for legitimate reasons. Hey, man, you do keep doing this, I'm out. You know what I mean? Totally fair. Uh, I left. I was talking about my with my dad about this. I left. I started as a true freshman. We had the best season in school history, went 9-1 and one and ranked in the top 25. I left because I got lied to by my coaches during the recruiting process, and I can never trust them again. That's a real thing, right? But, Ryan, this notion that they can't leave is, is fine, but here's the thing, or that they need to be able to leave, they can. But here's the deal, right? If a head coach leaves – then he has to do what? There's a buyout involved. There's all these different things involved. So so would you be okay, if we're going to make it same level, would you be okay if a player left, if he had to pay back half his scholarship money that the school gave to him, or if he had to pay back half the NIL money he made? Would you be okay with that? If, if you want to get players and coaches on the same page, would you be okay with that? Would you be okay if – you know, let's say Notre Dame gave Sam Hartman $3 million this year and halfway through the season, their season was over. They wanted to move on to a younger quarterback, didn't want to have to pay him that much money, so they cut him and said, hey, you know, we, we're not going to pay you that money anymore. Would you be okay with that? Because they can do that to coaches. Or we're only going to pay you X amount. We're going to pay a million of your $3 million we owe you because you weren't getting it done. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with players being able to get fired after every season and just – you're gone, no explanation, no severance, nothing. Just fire them. If you get off to bad season, fire a player right in the middle of the season. That's the world that, that coaches live in, number one. And number two, we have to stop comparing what's going on with adults with what's going on with 18, 19, 21, and 22-year-olds. They need to be able to have the freedom to move schools. No one is arguing about that. I've advocated for having contracts that they sign with colleges that if you promise me A, B, C, and D, and you don't deliver A, B, C, and D, I can transfer without punishment. I support that. I've advocated for that, Andrew. You've heard me talk about that for years. If you promise me playing time and you lie to me and I don't get playing time, then I can leave. Now, sometimes I'm making playing time because I didn't do the work. That's fine, but you can still leave. If you promise me X amount of dollars and you don't give it to me, then I can leave no consequences. I believe if a head coach leaves, that players should be allowed. I've said this before. If a head coach leaves, that players should be allowed to transfer right away with certain exceptions uh, to the timing of it. The only exceptions should be timing. So, for example, if a school fires a head coach, then players should be able to immediately jump on the portal. 
because that's a choice that the that that school made. They chose to fire that coach. If a school, if a if a coach leaves on his own, like Kalen DeBoer left, right? Then I think there should be like a window of a week or two weeks or three weeks or whatever that the the school should be allowed to kind of sit down with each player and and make their pitch and say, hey, you know, let's give them time to get the new coach in. And if they don't then like the new coach after that certain period of time, then they can jump in a portal and play right away. So there are always circumstances, in my opinion, that players need to be able to have the freedom to go right now. There should be certain waivers that allow players to transfer right away. Legitimate things, right? Like you have to legitimately prove that your mom has cancer or whatever the case she's dealing with. You should legitimately prove that, you know, certain things that should allow for freedom of movement. But this open system of just you can go whenever you want with no consequences is nothing like coaches doing the same thing because, A, they're not employees. There's different standards for how coaches are evaluated and treated. There are certain expectations for coaches that are not involved with student athletes. And the other fact of the matter is, is that there are punishments when you leave. There are financial consequences to leaving that don't exist for exist for players. So if you're if you want to say if they can do this then they can do this, then you have to also be willing to say they then have to have the same consequences for leaving or being employees or being student athletes that coaches have, meaning they can be fired whenever they can be fired right before the season. They can be fired during the season. They can be fired late in the season, cut, whatever expression thing you want to say. If a, if a star quarterback making X amount of dollars wants to leave, then he has to pay Then there's a buyout involved. You have, to, you have to pay back. The new school has to pay back. Somebody has to pay back the money that you made. That's what's the reality for coaches. Because, again, there is nothing – there no, there's never been a rule as far in my lifetime that said the players can't transfer, ever. But as someone who's actually been in college athletics, who has transferred, who has dealt with players transferring, who's been in this business for a long time, I can assure you, that there are more immature decisions that these kids are going to come back to regret down the road that that they're happening now than what happened five years ago because of the open portal. What I have said is not that players can't transfer. No one's saying that. So the entire premise of your question is is just it's it's a straw man. It has no bearing on what's actually going on. What forcing kids to sit out a year. If they just decide they want to leave or make more money, all that does is it ensures you've had to put a lot of thought into that decision and you're not making emotional decisions. There are so many emotional decisions that are going on right now. So many emotional decisions. And some of the guys that have, have transferred, like Caleb Downs, in, in, in my rules, could still go to Ohio State. Julian Sand could still go to Ohio State. Jamie Bernard can still go to Washington, can still go to Alabama. All those kids can still leave. Why? Because their head coach left. That should open it up. There always need to be rules in, 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 in regard to that. But this notion that players and coaches are on the same level is one of the lamest, weakest, useless things that you can say when you're trying to say what rights do players have. Players have always deserved more than what they've gotten. They've always deserved a piece of the pie. They've always deserved the ability to have freedom of movement, but freedom of movement doesn't mean that I can just go whenever, wherever, however. That's not what it should mean, especially for younger people. So as long as you're willing to say, cool, players can leave whenever, open portal. All right, I'm fine with that. 
But just so you know, you also have to accept the fact that players can be cut whenever they're not providing, they're not living up to the money they're being made. They have to then pay back part of their scholarship and part of their NIL money if they do decide to leave. If you're willing to accept all those things, then cool. We can put players and coaches on the same level, and this would have more relevance. But the fact of the matter is this has no relevance because it's not the reality of the world we live in. Players have always been able to transfer. Ryan, didn't you transfer as well? I think you and I both transferred. Or did you just? Yeah, stop I didn't. I, I I didn't. I stopped, just stopped playing. But okay, yeah, I did end up transferring okay. schools. But yeah. Mm-hmm. So again, no one's saying you shouldn't be allowed to transfer. No one's saying there has never been a rule saying you can't transfer. But there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And if your whole and here's the thing: if your issue is the way that coaches can leave, then that's cool. Let's make rules to limit the 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 freedom of movement they have. I'm cool with that. I, I'm okay saying, hey, look, let's make the buyout such, or let's make this, or let's make that, or let's let's set some rules saying, hey, if you're a coach and you choose to leave, whether you're a head coach, assistant coach, whatever, there are certain rules that, that are in place. Okay, I'd be for that, because I think the way that they do this whole thing is kind of shady on both sides. Coaches getting fired in the middle of the season, I, I, I hate that. Barring a coach doing something that's like, that guy's got to go, right? Like, that guy's breaking some rules, that guy's doing this, that guy's hooking up with a co-ed or an undergrad or something. All right, cool. That guy's got to go. You broke rules. But just firing a guy because he's having a bad year and you're trying to get a head start on the, the coaching stuff, I don't like that. So, yeah, let's make some rules that, they're, you know, those in those situations, players can leave. No no restrictions. Players can go. I'm all, I'm all for that. So there are things that you can do to, to make it to where maybe we can tamp down a little bit on some of the, the coaching movement I'd be for that but let's not make let's not take one problem and say this is a problem so let's make this problem equally as bad if not worse Th- that that's what people are advocating for now not hey this sucks so let's fix it it's no this sucks so let's make sure it also sucks over here and I think that's absolutely ridiculous and in no way shape form or, f- or fashion absolutely in, in any way makes the game better and in no way is it better for young people that they can make these decisions. Because I promise you that we are not even remotely understanding the damage we're doing to young people when you look at 10, 20 years down the road. And I can tell you that because I had zero doubt that I made the right decision to transfer when I was 19 years old and an idiot. But now as a 45-year-old, I absolutely look back and say, I didn't handle that like I should have. And looking back on it, I would have handled Maybe I still transfer, but I didn't handle it. I was very emotional. I was all these different things. I mean, I, I regret how I went about the process, even if the end result wasn't the same. I promise you a lot of young people are going to go do that. And we're just all encouraging it because we're in our feelings about being pro player. Let's be pro player. You're not pro player. You're not, you're not pro player at all. Because if you were, we wouldn't be having these stances. We wouldn't. We'd be talking about other things than what we're talking about right now. This is more about just wanting to, and I'm not saying you, Andrew, I'm talking more about like the media people and stuff like that. That's more about just we want to be seen, you know, on the quote unquote right side of history. And I, I think that's just not a place where I want to be. I want to be on just the right side. That that's that's what I want to be on. And my side is are we really are we really doing the right things to 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 make the next generation better? Right? That's what we're tasked with. When you're a parent, Ryan, you're you're a dad. I mean, it is it, your your job is to what? It's to make sure that society is going to be a positively impacted by my children. That I'm so I, they don't have to struggle through things I went through. I, they can learn from the lessons that I went through, right? It's to create people that are are going to have a positive impact on society. 
And right now we're not doing that because we're just telling young people and, and all, this isn't just sports and all walks of life. Hey, if you don't like what you're doing, just, just go cry about it and walk away. And, 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 you know, if somebody hurts your feelings or somebody offends you or you're triggered somehow, you know, we're going to make a safe space for you. That's not, that's not real life. And you're not helping people by doing that. And so that's why I really despise this whole process. Yes, rules need to be changed. Players need more freedom. Players need a bigger piece of the pie. Players need all types of things. But what we're giving them now is not the answer. We've created us. We've made a sucky system worse in an attempt to be pro player, and we're not. You think Aaron Nolan feels like it's a real pro player situation right now? You think that's a real pro player situation that he feels he's in at Ohio State right now? I doubt it. I don't. I wouldn't if I was him. So, no. No, I, I don't like it. So, yeah. Uh, let's see here. We'll go down to this one. Yeah, John Haynes said, who would be a good Dallas Golden comp on the college level? That's a good question. Um, uh, as a, I have two, Ryan. You want to hear mine? Just overall, okay. as an athlete, Xavier Watts. I mean, it's two Notre Dame guys, Xavier Watts. Just a guy that can be an impact player on both sides of the ball. Can play safety. Xavier could play rover. Xavier could play receiver. Xavier could have done a lot of different things. And then as a corner, I, I, I really think his athleticism, his frame, how he moves is very similar to what I thought of Benjamin Morrison coming out of high school, to be honest with you. Very similar body type, uh, very similar athleticism. Uh, not a burner, but plenty of speed. Very great feet, great balance. So when I watch Benjamin Morrison's film at Brophy Prep, I see Dallas as a stronger version of that. Like I think Dallas is stronger at this age than Benjamin was in high school. I think he's a tad thicker, but that that's the that's mine. That's the one I see, and that's the one I put in my breakdown this weekend uh, for Dallas is is those two. But that that those are the two best comps that I can come up with. Let me let me think on that one, John. I haven't thought of because usually we only do comps for team you know players that end, end up in the class so we obviously need mm-hmm. to see if Notre Dame is able to close on Dallas so let me chew on that one for a little bit man I mean there's a he's a very unique player because he could yeah he could play corner he could play safety could play nickel could play wide receiver could be a wildcat quarterback if you wanted him to could return kicks and punts he's a special athlete I just need to need to chew on that one a little bit longer it's a it's a good mm-hmm. question very good question Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Got a couple of super chats down here, Ryan. Michael S. with the super chat. Thank you so much. Didn't Ohio State get Bama's top DB and top quarterback impact on the team? Well, they didn't get their top quarterback. They got their top quarterback recruits for sure. Yeah. But 
I mean, I, I Julian Sane was not going to start for Alabama in 2024 more than likely, right? Like that wasn't a situation that was probably going to happen. But yes, they got their best DB, especially if the guys returning. I mean, they're going to lose a couple of really good DBs and Kool-Aid McKinstry and Terry and Arnold to the draft. But I think even if both those guys returned for whatever reason, you can make the argument that Caleb Downs was the best one. So yes, they got their best defensive mm-hmm. back. They're heading back in the 2024 best quarterback. No, they got their best quarterback recruits. Yeah. I, I and, and if a young player does get the job over Aaron, uh, over Aaron Noland, over Jalen Milrow, it's probably going to be Dylan Lonergan, not Jalen Sand is who that would probably be uh, in my yeah. opinion, but it's still two great pickups. I mean, that, I would argue that's probably the two best pickups they had this off season. As far as like immediate plus long-term, I think the, Caleb Downs is the best immediate day one impact. I think Julian Julian saying, if, if I'm looking at this, take all the other stuff out of it. If I'm Ohio State, I had major questions about the future of their quarterback room. I don't like Devin Brown. I don't like the kid from say North Dakota. Is that where you say he was from? South, South Dakota, Dakota, wherever. I, what's Dakota. his What's his name? It's Lincoln something. Right? Um, Lincoln, yeah, something Holtz. Let me let me pull it. Just give me a second, right? I don't want to. I don't want to keep butchering this and just keep saying the kid from from Idaho. Uh, so Lincoln Kineholtz. That's who it is. Sure. So I'm not a huge fan of him. He was okay coming out, but like Julian saying to me is is the best quarterback recruit they've landed in a, in a few years. So I think that's solidified. I actually like Julian saying quite a bit. I just don't think he was what they made him out to be. Like it's kind of like Arch Manning. I thought Arch Manning was a really good quarterback. I just thought them turning him into like the number one quarterback in the country and playing the country was like okay, that's too much. Same thing with Julian yeah. saying. If Julian saying would have committed to UCLA he wouldn't be ranked as a top 10 player. It's because he committed to Bama. That's really what it boils down to. But that doesn't change the fact, Ryan, he's a talented kid. He's a good football player. I like Julian Sane. And if if C.J. Carr wouldn't have picked Notre Dame and they would have landed Julian Sane, I'd have been happy. I, I would have yeah. because they the fallback option is pretty good. I just think C.J. Carr was better, in my personal opinion. So I do think that that somewhat stabilizes because if, if Kine Holtz ends up being the guy – uh, you've what it is, you've increased the odds you're going to end up with a good quarterback because now it doesn't have to be just Devin Brown or just Lincoln Kineholtz. It can be, it's like where Notre Dame is at. I don't care if it's Kenny Minchie, CJ Carr, or Deuce Knight, I don't care which one, but by getting all three in a row, you've increased the odds that at least one of them becomes that dude. And that's how I feel like what Julian Sane does because I never felt I felt Aaron Nolan could really run that offense well, but he lacks the physical gifts in my opinion, of some other guys. I just don't think he has the size of the arm or, you know, some of those other traits. I just think he's a smart kid that can read a defense and get the ball where he needs to get to. Julian is more of a playmaker, in my opinion. Uh, somebody just texted me that my dog's in the background. Like, guys, I can see myself on the screen. I know my dog's. And actually, Sadie was just underneath me jumping up on my leg. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I see him. Angela is gone, so I've got the dogs with me the next couple of days. But, yeah, that means they're, they need to they need to go outside here soon. But, uh but yeah, that that's my thoughts, Ryan. I I, I really think this Julian saying pickup. If you take away what it means for Aaron Nolan and all that, I think it's I think it makes a lot of sense for Ohio State to do it because you don't need him to play right now. You can groom right. him for a year behind uh, behind Will Howard and then let him go out there and compete for the job next year. And you you've in, you've increased your odds that whoever wins that job because if if Kineholtz wins the job, he's gonna have to beat out Julian saying to do it, and that means he's played well. And if and Devin Aaron Brown wins a job, yeah. yeah. And if Aaron and, and if Devin Brown wins a job, it means he had to beat out Lincoln, Sayan, and Aaron Nolan if Aaron Nolan stays, which means he improved and he's he's a better player. So that's what I think they've done is they've raised the floor a little bit on the quarterback position once Will Howard leaves. 
by getting Julian Sands. Julian Sands' brother is the uh, quarterback at Penn, by the way. You Penn? Uh, oh, really? T.D. Brammy. Yes. Aiden Sand. Aiden Sand. Yep. T.D. Brammy. If you, sorry, if you was to compare yourself as a, if you were to compare yourself to a, as podcasters to sport broadcasters, who would it be, and what duo would y'all be? Uh, I honestly have no idea. I, I've never I am compared like, myself I, to anyone. I, I, I'm a very unique podcaster, so I don't think I <laughs> am. I, I don't think broadcasters yeah. would like me too much, but yeah. So who is okay. really smart Ryan. and likes to have fun? I don't know. Yeah, who's smart yeah. and likes to have fun? So Ryan, I'm going to go let them out. So if you could just take on okay. the next couple questions, uh, Raymond Harton Sounds with Super good. Chat for Puppy Food. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate That's that very, very, very much. But I'll get you back up here to the top, Ryan, and uh, okay. we'll get you. Uh, we'll get you rocking and rolling here. Here's a, here's a good one. Jack Lassen, thank you so much for the super chat. Let me move up in my chair because you guys can't see my pretty face. On the- I know this, I know this may be ten plus years away, but with the way things are trending, if the ACC loses its top tier teams, Clemson, Florida State, Miami, North Carolina to the Big Ten or SEC, how would you want Notre Dame to adjust their schedule? Let- I mean, Jack, I, I think the way things are moving, because I, I think there's two realities that we could be heading to here. I funny for uh, Archer, Gus Johnson, and Gold, Joel Klatt. I uh that's funny. Um, I would say I so look, I, I think that it, that's a it's a question I don't really know an answer to, Jack, to be honest, right? Because I think that the way we're moving, things can change so differently. I think what people have kind of what people have kind of tried to convince themselves of is that it's just going to be the two major super conferences, right? It's going to be SEC, Big Ten, and then it's just going to kind of be, you know, everyone dissolve at that point. Or it's just going to be lower level, group of five, and we're just going to work that way. I'm still I'm still very curious to see what happens with the, with the college football landscape. I don't believe or I don't agree that it's just a foregone conclusion. I actually kind of like what Chip Kelly said a few weeks ago about potential independency in college football. Cause if you get to that regard of instead of the super conference outlook of the college football in the future, if it's more like an independent future, uh, independent look, then you can, I mean, you're Notre Dame, you're independent, you're free to schedule whoever the heck you want to, as long as it makes sense. Right. And if there's not that, if there's not that dependency on the ACC, so long story to get to the point of, I think we need to just be patient with this kind of question, right? We have no idea what the college football landscape is going to be. There's an assumption, Big Ten, SEC, and everybody else is just going to dissolve at that point. I'm not as convinced that that's where it's going. I'm not as convinced. I just think that there's a lot of things that need to be figured out, and I'm not sure we have the full answers to yet. We have Archer 452. Given the schedule for the 12-team college football playoff, first round December December 20th and 21st, do you think they will move – so, um, signing early, early signing, signing day, day currently scheduled for that same week. They should. I mean, they 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 really should. I I think that right now, Ryan, there's enough teams impacted by that. I mean, there's really minimum eight, and to a degree, twelve, because those other teams are going to be doing some advanced scouting and stuff. I still say the best thing that makes the most sense is to move sign early signing period before the. Seen their senior seasons. It's like end of July. It still makes the most sense. That's how it is in basketball. I don't know why it's so why it's so hard to do that in football. Oh, it's because the coaches don't want that. That's why. So again, if you wanted to be yeah. pro player, then move signing day before their senior seasons. 
because then if kids that don't want to keep being recruited can get that over with. Um, but yeah. coaches don't want that because coaches don't want kids signing and being in binding contracts, you know, before season starts. That's that's who fought, has fought. That's who's primarily fought against moving it up sooner. It's coaches, college coaches. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, I wonder how many kids would actually sign in that early signing day before their senior season. I'd be very yeah. interested to see what the number would be on it that. It would. It would. I think it it it'd be it would vary for schools. Honestly, sure. I mean, like I think Notre Dame's last year's class. Like, if I'm thinking about it, I think CJ Carr would have signed early. I think Cam Williams yep. would have signed early. Uh, you know, I uh, I think Leonard Moore, Carson Hobbs. And there's a decent number of those kids that I think would have signed. Bodie Cahoon, you know, Peter would Kingston have signed early? I don't know. You know, would, would yeah. Micah Gilbert have signed early? I, I don't I don't know him well enough to know the answer to that. Would would Aeneas Williams? Yes. Peter Jones, yes. Anthony Knapp, yes. Styles Prescott, yes. Uh, probably. You know, um yeah, I mean, for other schools, I think it probably number would have probably been a little lower, <laughs> you know, because it depends on what your level of commitment is. And and then if, you, if you're a school like Notre Dame, now you know who didn't sign. Now you know who's real serious about really being part of this class. Like, okay, this, these kids didn't sign. That means they're still open to some things. And yeah. uh, you've got to start preparing backup options more so than before. So it'd be interesting. We had our question from Gregory Gilbert. Brian, explain the gold, green, and white pant jersey helmet. So I, I asked him to kind of elaborate on this a little bit. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean to explain? Just the specifics of it. So to me, the gold helmet's the same gold helmet. The white pants are just a, a white pant with a with a I would actually have the blue ND or a gold ND on the pant on the like on the front of the the th- uh the th- the the quad. And just like a normal white pant, I would go green jerseys with white numbers and gold outline is what I would do. Uh, I'd have ND here. Um and I would like the shoes, uh, shoes. I'm a little bit back and forth on Ryan, you know, part of me wants to that be the traditional throwback, go black. But I mean, I also kind of like the idea of, of going gold on a uh, gold and green on the shoes as well. And then I would go gold or green gloves, whatever the preference is, preferably gold. I think that would look freaking sweet. I think that'd be awesome. It'd be an awesome, awesome uniform combination. I like the white numbers with the gold outline better than gold numbers, to be honest with you. That's just my personal preference. Yeah, I need to see things to really visualize it. I'm not a, I'm not a good, I'm not a very imaginative person. I don't know if people knew that or not, but I'm not extremely imaginative. I'm a good critic though. So if you could put something in front of me, I'll tell you if I like it or not. You're a visual guy. I get it. Yes, I'm very visual. Very visual learner. Yes. Yep. All right. Last couple before we get out of here. Archer four five two. How big of a class will 2025 end up being for Notre Dame? Who is the top uncommitted target still on the board? Uh, I mean, Brian, like I was doing the math in my head of, based upon like the primers that we think, like I can see this class getting up to 28. Like it, it could be a pretty dang yeah. big class, man. Like you're, I mean, cause like, think about it. I mean, you have your quarterback, you have two running backs talking three to four wide receivers. You're talking one to two tight ends. You're talking potentially four offensive linemen in the class, six defensive linemen, three to four linebackers, two to three corners, two safeties, two to three safeties. I mean, like, this class could be huge, man. Like, it could be a yeah. really big class. What's going to happen over the next ooh, eight nine months is like I'm setting the, the I'm setting the over under twenty five. Not even the over under. I'm setting the, like the the right now the the numbers here, right? 
And what's going to happen over the next eight months is it's going to go up or down. And by down, it could be something as simple as, you know, hey, some younger guys in our team are panning out that maybe we didn't expect to pan out that we thought we were going to over recruit. So our need here isn't as great as it was. Right. Um, or it could be a couple guys we thought, you know, we were comfortable with two to three linebackers, but maybe a couple guys that we thought were going to pan out have gotten injured or whatever else the case may be. And now we have a greater need. So now it, it, it eventually gets up. And then yeah. the other part of it is just going to be, I think the staff is going to start over recruiting because they know kids are going to leave. I mean, kids are going to jump on the portal for money. Kids are going to jump on the portal because they're not playing there. And, and Notre Dame is wisely saying like right now, 28 makes no sense, Ryan. If you and I are sitting yep. here and looking at the roster the same way we do did three, four years ago, we're like, dude, there's no way you get to 28. No way. It's just not humanly possible. You'd have to cut X number of kids from your team, and I don't see how that happens. But the universe that we're in now, Notre Dame's like, look, we just lost 13 kids, scholarship kids this offseason. Some of them we wanted right. to lose. Some of them we didn't. You know, And, and that's going to happen. So you have to con- contemplate oversigning now. It's so it's, – I think – I think it's actually, and I, and I don't think the previous staff would have done this. I think the previous staff would have just worked with a normal recruiting situation. I think this staff was like, look, we're going to lose some kids, either by choice yep. or by not, and we're just going to keep recruiting the best players we can. And if that means sometimes over-recruiting a player in the class, I think this staff is going to be a little bit more prone to that. I'm not sure how I feel about that, Ryan, but I think we, we might see that a little bit too. Like, you know, hey, you got two running backs, but what if some stud running back still wants to come? Or what if you know, somebody decommits um, at some point? I mean, like, right, yeah, so you have right. to fill it, figure out that number. Right. Yep. So I think you're going to see the staff be very aggressive with numbers. Because yep. just so you understand, I'm not saying your number 28 is nuts. I think that's a I, – I can see that. What I'm saying is if, if you'd have thrown yep. that number out three, four years ago under the parameters in which the world worked in college football, 28 would have been nuts. It's like, dude, there's no way. The, the math doesn't make sense. I don't know how you're yep. going to get there. So I just want to make sure I'm not saying that you're nuts for saying that now. I think oh, no, now it makes total sense. 25 to 28 would be a reasonable number. I'm just saying 25 for now, depending on how some kids pan out, I could see it getting up to 28, 29. And if some kids maybe do pan out or your situation a little better, then maybe you're 25 to 23. But if I had to bet, I'd say I'd take the over as of right now. People always ask when um, when's the best chance Notre Dame is going to have to have a top three class, a top five class, whatever it is. Well, they get to 28. That's the year that it could yeah. potentially happen, man. That's a big number. <laughs> yeah. It really is. It really is. Backup says, from an off-the-bus standpoint, will Notre Dame be bigger or smaller this season? Bigger, right? Like, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah bigger. Yeah, I think because, so. Like, I mean, you, have to th- you have to think about it like this. I mean, like you're losing Joe Walt, who is an All-American, but – you're actually upgrading in terms of like mass at left tackle, yeah. right? Because you're going from 322 Joe Alts, who's a massively imposing dude, to 330 plus Charles Jagasaw, right? Like you technically upgraded as far as density and size at left tackle, even that's you know it's Ashton Craig's gonna look better off the bus than than uh Zeke Zeke Carell did. Charles yep. Jagasaw is gonna look better coming off the bus than Joe Walt did, just from a massiveness standpoint, to your point. Yeah. Uh, yep. You know, yeah, you're losing six foot six, three hundred ten pound Blake Fisher, Blake but you're Fisher. replacing him with six foot eight, three hundred ten pound Tosh Baker. You know, I mean, yes. you're losing JD Bertrand, and you're replacing him with Kingston Villiama Asa. As far, I mean, because Drake Bone is already getting off the yep. bus, you know. But yep. then, and then it's the younger guys. It's like so you've added Peter Jones, who's a good looking kid. You've added Gerby Lambert, yep. who's a six seven, 
300 plus 300 pound plus. kid. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, you're going to have Drake Bowen and Kingston Viliama Asa getting off the bus. If we're talking about Mike linebackers, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, and, and Bodie Cahoon's not taking a back seat to any linebacker that even, Notre Dame lost off last year's even, roster. You know what I mean? Even the, even the tight end rotation, which like Holden Stace was like six four plus, like two forty something. Like he's not a small kid by any means. But now your three man tight end room is going to be when Mitchell Evans gets back. It's going to be six five plus two hundred fifty plus pound Mitchell Evans, followed by six six plus three hundred two hundred fifty five pound Eli yeah. Raritan, and then six five six six two hundred sixty pounds Cooper Flanagan. It's like that's a massively Mid- impressive. Mitchell Evans is going to be your small tight end next year. Think yes. about that. Yeah. Mitchell yep. Evans will be your smallest tight end next year of the three. Out of the rotation, yes. Yeah. Rotation, the only place yeah. where Notre Dame is going to get smaller is running back. But even yes. then, it's like Jadarian Price gets off the bus. He's got a tank top on, and you're like, holy yeah. crap. You know what and, I mean? And who, <laughs> and who knows what gains Jeremiah Love is going to make in the offseason, right? Season, right. right. Like and, know, yes, so. you lose Audric, who's 5'11", 227, and you replace him with Kedron Young, who's 5'11", 225. You know what I mean? Like, he's not as chiseled as Audric was, but he's not – you saw yeah. him. He's not a small kid by any stretch of imagination. He's not small. Uh, by the way, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but Dane Brugler put out an age thing for the 2024 NFL draft. Mm-hmm. Audric Estime is the third youngest player in this draft. Wow. He's only 20 years old, 20.6 years – like 20 whatever. I don't know when his birthday is, but he's literally going to be 20 – he's going to be 20 when the draft happens, which is yeah, wild crazy. to think about. And he's a massive kid, massive. Some uh, – some uh, uh, one of our listeners reached out to me the other day and was like, you know, hey, Notre Dame's going to see this. You know, there's this running back that goes to a school that Notre Dame's going to be visiting soon. And he's a kid named Masai okay. Mickens. So the guy sends me yep. the name. And so I look the kid up and I'm like, there's no way that's a 26 kid. No way. There's <laughs> yeah. no way that's 2000. Because you just look him in the face, he looks like he's like 28 years old. You know, yeah. and it's just, it's wild, man. But like Audric, Audric looks like he's a seven-year NFL veteran right now. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at him in the face and his body and all those type of things. But uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know he was that young. That's wild. Yeah. That's he's going to be 20 wild. throughout like a decent portion of his first season in the NFL, which is, that's why wild. does he go to the NFL? That's why, guys. <laughs> that's why. You're only yeah. 20 as a running back? That's fantastic, man. Good for you. Yeah, That's that's amazing. You're, amazing. He's going to get to a second contract potentially by the age of 24. That's great now, for him. Does that, does that make a running back – I don't know the answer to this, Ryan. It's a genuine question. Yeah. Does that make a running back more attractive than NFL teams yes. being that young? 100%. Okay. Yeah, you can you can count on a uh, well first contract. Yeah, well, yes. Either way, I think yes because he's younger, and you have to account for like some people will put like the tread on the tire thing, but also the age counts into this too, right? Is that I mean he's a he's a one year full time starter, two year contributor for Notre Dame, so the tread isn't that crazy on his tires in general, and he's more than likely to get to a second contract. That makes you more valuable when you're talking about a running back coming in that's like twenty three. It's like guys. Even if he doesn't have that much tread on his tire by the age of running backs 27 or 28, like, is he going to get to that second contract? I have no idea. But a 24 year old Aldrich Estime probably get into a second contract, which is great for him. Great for him. Well, here's an interesting. He might get to a third contract, man. He might get to a third contract. This is the the first number that popped in my head, Ryan. The comparison is Derrick Henry. And I just looked at it. Derrick Henry is 22 in his rookie year. And so when he was 24, when he got to his first contract, well, for him, it's a little 26. bit different because he was a first rounder. So he was, yeah. he was 
22, 23, 24, 20, 26. But it, but in Audric's yeah. situation, we don't expect to be a first year, a first round draft pick. He'd have been, he'd have been 20, 23, 24, uh, 22, 23, 20, 25. You know what I mean? So um, that's in, that's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. No, great yeah, for him, man. 25 great and then, yeah. So that's, that's very interesting. And as you said, he, he, he's carried the ball a decent amount the last two years, but, but not a ton the year before. I mean, he split carries with Logan the year before. He's only got one year as a full-time, he's the the guy. And oh, even yeah. then, yeah. he didn't exactly like light the world on fire in regards to – I shouldn't let the world on fire. He, that, that's not the right way I meant to use it. But he didn't like get crazy carries this year, in my opinion. Right. It wasn't. Yep. So, all right. Last – He's a good spot, uh, man. Young and not crazy tread. That's yep. a good combination Absolutely. as a running back. So. Absolutely. Yep. All right, last couple here, and then we're definitely going to get out after these two. Notre Dame for life. Can Notre Dame football use other sports on campus scholarships? No. Uh, once a kid plays a down of – now, they can just to have on the roster, but, like, you can stash a kid. So, like, you could actually you could actually do this. If you, if you had a kid that, let's say, you thought was going to be a red, red shirt. I don't know. You have an off – let's use Charles Jagasaw as an example, okay? Yep. And he's a kid that's a, you know, actually he's not a good, uh, let's use James Flanagan as an example. This is a good one. James okay. Flanagan's a really good, it's discus hockey, right? Well, he's a, no, he's a discus dis- shot putter and he's a really good hockey okay. player too. So, so, <laughs> yeah. so let's say that you're going to, you, you know, you're going to have the track team stash him for a year because your title numbers, you know, he's going to redshirt in year one. He can be on your team. He can practice and all that kind of stuff. But the minute you play him, you, you not take it. So you could use it like to stash a guy for a year but with the yeah. way that modern redshirt rules are, Ryan, if you like a kid like James Flanagan, you're going to want to get him snaps in two or three or four games, most likely. And once you do that, it, so it's like it's kind of a waste of time. So it, it would only have to be a situation where you you know a kid is going to redshirt and you're flat out okay with him not t- playing a single snap that year. That's the only yeah. way you could do it. And um, and 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 again, I, I don't know that other teams are going to other sports are going to want to do that unless it's, like anyone that's good enough in track or basketball or baseball to take one of their full scholarships. They give out very few full scholarships and, and partial scholarships and things like that. Any, any kids that's good enough to do that in that sport, it's probably pretty good in football. And yep. if a kid's good enough that you're going to want him at Notre Dame, he's not going to take a partial scholarship and pay his own way for part of a year at a place like Notre Dame. Very often. Guys like Luke Talich are very, 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 very rare where they're going to turn down a Utah and a Washington state to come Notre Dame. And the reality is they're not doing that for four. I'd be shocked if Luke Talich came to Notre Dame with the thought he's going to be a four year walk on. I highly doubt that. Highly doubt that. Um, Nor did the Notre Dame coaches come with him thinking he's going to be a four year walk on. That's the other part of it too, Ryan is, is they're, 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 they're insane too. Like if we want to keep this kid, we're going to have to eventually give him a scholarship. And I think he'll get one sooner rather than later. I mean, kids started on special teams for Notre Dame this year as a true freshman. Like, yep. they like him. Clearly, they like that kid. Uh, and it's the bummer that he uh, had the injury he had as well. Yeah. I forget what I was with. Oh, here, tr- tr- quick trivia question for you. James mm-hmm. Flanagan, as a sophomore, set the county discus record. Okay. Do you know whose record he broke? His, it, no, his, it wasn't his dad's. No, his dad's not from It there, was his it? dad. It was his dad. Was his dad Jim Flanagan Jr. Yeah, he threw threw go. like one seventy something, and then I think I think James hit like one eighty. Is it? 
Nice. For context, I was considered a very good discus thrower, and I threw 150, mm-hmm. and he threw 180 Ooh. as a sophomore. Okay. So, yeah. That's yeah. that's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah, pretty good. Pretty His good junior film was really good, by the way. Yeah. I, I regraded also, all the commits this weekend, and he jumped in the yep. top 100 for me. I'm also pretty sure he is a uh, he's I think they he has gone undefeated in hockey the last two years and a couple state championships as well. So he's isn't good. he supposedly like actually a good hockey? Not just he's on the team. Oh, yeah. He's actually supposedly a no. good hockey player, I'm, right? I, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure he's the best hockey player on the team, I believe, if All I right. remember correctly. So, yeah, that was that was a heck of a pickup. I I, I, I sometimes think athlete. that by some he might be overlooked a little bit because he's a we you know, the legacy thing. Yeah, but I think he's a, I think he's really. I liked him as a ju- sophomore. His sophomore film was really good, but his junior film was yep. even better. I was like, okay, he, he graded. He could out play either side too at Notre Dame if he wanted oh, to, yeah. I believe too. He could play defensive end yeah. for sure. He played yeah. a bunch of linebacker for them this past year too, Ryan. Yep. Like he wasn't yep. just playing defensive end; he was playing a lot of linebacker for them. Yep. It was impressive. Third middle linebacker. Yep. yep. We had PQ. What it do? Is there any aspect of building the team and running the program that Marcus Freeman does that you don't agree with? How would you do it differently? Well, I don't know that I would say there's something I would do differently. I would simply say, because I don't know that I know enough about the day-to-day to say he there's yeah. things he needs to do differently. I think the reality is, is the culture, as we've talked about before, the culture still needs improvement. Is that a, something he's doing differently, or is it more of a it just takes time and Process, yeah. getting guys in that you've, that you've recruited that have bought in and getting guys out who maybe you didn't? Uh, you know, so I don't, I don't know if it's so much the process. I think there's a lot of things that Marcus Freeman is still learning as being a head coach, how to manage your staff, you know, how to create accountability. Those are all things that I, I think as an assistant coach, when you're a first-time head coach, you have a way that you think a staff should be run based on your experience as an assistant coach. And then when you become a head coach, you're like, yeah, that doesn't work with everybody. And it's got to be this yeah. way. And I think there's sure. things like that that are that are going on uh, that he's learning from. So I, I don't know that I'd say you do it differently. He just needs experience it. And, yeah. and so, but whatever, whatever he's doing with the culture, he's got to make sure that he's getting this, that this team needs to be tougher mentally and physically still it's, there's been yeah. improvement, but it's not where it needs to be yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think the things that you can observe, like I like the tempo and practice. I thought that that was run really well. I don't, I'm not there on an everyday basis, so I can't really comment on that. I think that there has definitely been progress from a, just a, mindset perspective at Notre Dame and players buying in more. So I think, I mean, structurally, like I think Marcus Freeman is going in the right direction from just a, mm-hmm. a, a CEO, a developer of, of a program. The only questions that I have is, you know, just some offensive stuff, right? Like, can you open it up? Can you be, and he answered a little bit of that question this offseason, I think potentially, mm-hmm. I mean, like hiring Mike Denbrock shows that there probably is very good signs in that department. So I've liked most of the coaching hires that he's made for the mark for a large part. So We'll see if it can work out, but I think that Marcus Freeman is definitely going in the right direction. It's just it's about staying consistent, man. And uh, he seems like a guy that's going to stay consistent. So we shall see how it ends up. Well, I think his demeanor this offseason too, Ryan, has been big for me. Just yeah. like you've seen a very aggressive Marcus Freeman this offseason. Like yeah. a little bit of a chip on his shoulder kind of ticked off Marcus Freeman this offseason. I, I like that they've been a lot more aggressive in the portal and such. I feel like they're I feel like they're learning a lot, you know, and they're yeah. continuing to expand in that regard, being which is bolder. always great progress. Yeah. Definitely being bolder. Same thing on the recruiting trail, yep. all of it, you know. Uh yes. All of it's really important. 
All right, Mr. Roberts, that is going to be it. We did have a last comment from Andre Tonsil. If not on the IB boards, get on now. That is tremendous yes, advice, Andre. Appreciate yes, that very, 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 very much. And Jason yep. Smith, I second on Andre. I third it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate yep. you very, very much. Ryan, why don't you go and take us out of here, man? Yeah, no, appreciate everybody. Like they said, boards.irishbreakdown.com. I had a couple intel pieces over the weekend for junior day. I think it's going to be a very busy Next few weeks of recruiting, I mean, coaches on the road and obviously the momentum that you created after junior day. So make sure to go sign up at boards at irishbreakdown.com, free content at irishbreakdown.com. I'll have a several more visit recaps coming out over the next couple of days as well. So make sure that you stay locked there. If you're listening to us live on YouTube, if you can just hit that like button for us at the bottom of the screen, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast and the notification bell is hit as well for know when the next show is coming up very shortly. If you're listening to us on your favorite podcast platform, five-star reviews are very much appreciated and subscriptions over there are much appreciated as well. If you want to hit a review on that five-star review, that would also be a very, very appreciated as well. So we'll talk to you again. We'll be back next time here on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.